How was your day, sweetie? Terrible. A deal that I've been working on for weeks fell apart and Yep. I... <sighs> Sounds like the time the gearbox went in my patrol. How is that the same, Terry? If you really love cars, Auto One. G'day, it's Nick from the Talk and Power podcast episode 98 about to come your way. On this episode, we have James McDonald from Shannon's Insurance in. He'll tell us all about the gone but not forgotten holding on through time car show we've got coming up which also coincides with episode 100 of the talk and power podcast and also we'll be talking about their online auction and a number of other things you can find on the shannon's website while we're there we'll also give a motorsport wrap we talk about stevie fast jackson's nhra pro mod championship we discuss Formula One and Lewis Hamilton's World Championship. And we also discuss MotoGP newly crowned world champion, Joan Mir. We discuss Suzuki's first championship in 20 years and how great that is. So all of that on this episode of the Talk and Power podcast, episode 98. Don't go anywhere. Guess what, guys? Summer is almost here. And the team at Auto One has released their Summer Savings Start Here catalogue. It's my favourite time of the year, Summer. Drag racing, taking the jigsaw out and about, and cruising the beach buggy down the coast. I'll need to service the bikes and cars. Well, that's great, Simon. It's 50% off Neon Full Synthetic 1040 Motor Oil, and 20% off Selected Impact Coolant. Well, I was thinking of getting away, and I see there's 20% off Rhino Rack Combo when you buy the Rhino Bag and the Basket together. Oh, who has time for getting away? I'm going to freshen up some of the workshop with a new range of Impact Workshop Automotive Equipment. Well, before you guys are streaming into the shop, be sure to sign up for the Auto One Club membership. You can do that at www.autoone.com.au. Sorry, Todd. I was fixated on the 15-litre portable fridge and freezer. Do you know how many Italian sausages I could fit in that when I'm out and about on the road? Well, Nick, speaking of road trips on that one then, and taking Italian sausages with you, I also noted that the AM radio in the XW isn't quite legit. The uh, Nomad 3 Trek Bluetooth speaker would make the great cruising present from Linda to you. I hope you're listening. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Talk and Power podcast. It is episode 98, and I'm joined by my co-host, Todd Brinkworth and Simon Gonzo-Travellini, and we have a special guest with us here tonight, James McDonald, all the way from Shannon's. James, thanks for joining us. No worries at all, guys. Good to be here. Hey, guys, what have we been up to, and what's, what's been happening? How come everyone looks at me when we're You've got the best story. So uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, I snuck down to the Motorplex, not this Wednesday, last Wednesday? Mm, yeah, yes. last Wednesday. With the Mercedes and uh, still undynoed. And big shout out to Brendan. He, he was there when we uh, scaled the car, uh, so he saw what it weighed. It's heavy. Uh, and, and he came down to the track, put a heap of cameras around the car. And um, it, it's kind of weird because, you know, I've, I've always raced the traditional sport. And there are, you know, you go through your tech inspection and then scrutineering. You do your blindfold test. Um, bearing in mind that we've cut the whole back end of this car off and fabricated it. 
and most of the middle of the car and fabricate it. So, you know, you would kind of think there would be some sort of safety regime like that. <laughs> you know? Anyway, so once you pass your blindfold test and they've checked all your uh, safety gear, your suit, your helmet, your, your gloves, your boots, etc., then you have to do a, a burnout and launch, get signed off on that, um, and then uh, a half track, get signed off on that, and then two full track passes, and then you're allowed to compete. Well, on the Wednesday nights, <laughs> it's insured through the state government, and you can just send it in T-shirt and jeans. <laughs> you have long sleeves, surely. Yeah. It was a long sleeve T-shirt, yep. yes, yes. Yep. And, and these very ASIC sneakers that I'm wearing. <laughs> and also, I would assume also um, helmet, of course. Yeah, yeah, I had my motorcycle helmet on. Yep. Yeah, yep. yep. I, I felt guilty. I initially had my open face, and I thought, you know what? You're just pushing it too far now. Yeah. So, so I went back to the car and got, got my full face. Now, I've got to tell you guys, you know, I've built a lot of cars over the years, but there is a certain uneasiness when you're sitting on the start line with your finger on the uh, trans brake button uh, and foot flat and about to release it in a car that, you know, has never been tested. Um, and certainly when you shift into high gear, and you know you're approaching that thousand foot mark and you're traveling at well over 200 kilometers an hour and you're starting to wonder maybe i should have tested the brakes <laughs> before i did this um so the car went off the trail at 104 133.9 nearly 134 andy got in um and and this was racing someone in the other lane <laughs> um so big shout out to whoever underwrites the state government. <laughs> um, so yeah, Andy did a couple of launches because she was entered for Saturday for a, for a debut competition. Uh, on Friday, I got a phone call from Mick saying that um, uh, the spark plugs looked a bit sad. Um, so uh, we found a uh, equivalent locally that, that would fit in there because it, the ones that the Chrysler runs are, you know ridiculously hard to get ridiculously expensive so i found another brand uh, i think we got them through auto one actually to, mm -hmm. to be a <laughs> shout out there <laughs> anyway um and i had a quick look at the tune and um basically on my wife's birthday <laughs> i got her to help me write a spreadsheet to write a new timing curve for it and uh, we, we emailed that to Andy. The first version that we emailed actually uh, corrupted for some reason, I think because I saved it in a temporary folder. Um, so luckily I checked my sent emails, reopened it, found that it was corrupt. So I got in touch with Andy and said, do not put that in the car. Um, so wrote, it, wrote another tune, emailed it. She loaded that on the Saturday morning. Car went 10.30 off the trailer. I saw that, yeah. And uh, she did two more runs still getting used to the car and then first round of elimination she went 10-1 the cutoff for super streets 10-0 mm. now i had a quick look at the data and there is not a single run where she had it flat uh she was on and off the throttle you know she's still learning the car but look overall i, I think we we ticked all the boxes um like i said it was a little bit surreal because you know, you start wondering, did I tighten that bolt? <laughs> did, uh, and, and the other thing was, it wasn't dynoed, so the possibility of the motor exploding and bursting into flames and burning me alive in the car was, was always there. It was always ever-present, you know. <laughs> but, but, uh, 
overall pretty happy with it. Pretty happy that, um, you know, Brendan uh, was there to document it. Great um, video, I must say. Yeah, Great. and, you know, like it just... Um, I know there's a lot of people that are, are probably doubting um, how it went down, that it's never been dynoed and so on, but he was there. He saw it all. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. He, he was giggling like a, a school child that had a bag of lollies because <laughs> he was trying to get his head around it. But the reality is that um, the mathematics behind tuning those types, any type of engine, as long as you know... Uh, the maths behind it, it is doable. And there are, are so many great tuners around the world, like Shane Tuckerberg, mm-hmm. um, that can do that. I'm definitely not on that list, but I managed to, you know, shuffle something together. And big shout out to um, the guru, Fastman EFI in the US, for having a look at the tune for us, uh, 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 Richard and Nebdal, uh, and, and just, you know, making sure that I hadn't done anything too stupid mm. in there. So it worked. I'm happy. They're happy. I believe they were at a car show on the weekend. Yeah, I saw them actually yesterday. Yeah, I caught up with them on the, at the all-wheel car show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, look, anyway, we got, as I said, we've got James McDonald here from Shannon's here, and he's come here. Look, as we've spoken about already, our 100th episode coming up in uh, a month's time. It's going to be upon us before we know it. And uh, James is uh, curating, basically, probably the one of the biggest collections of Holden vehicles the West Australia has ever seen and it's going to be called the Gone But Not Forgotten Holding On Through Time uh, Car Show. So James that's why we got you here tonight and look we first must thank you and everyone at Shannon's for putting this together and allowing us to be part of it as well and celebrate our 100th episode because I think it's a it's a it's a great way to celebrate uh, for us. Um, not, you know, not just uh, this but all, all the, um, the great work that Shannon does to bring us so many events mm. um, you know you guys get behind so many things and, and it's just fantastic that, that um, a company <laughs> like yours does that I appreciate that Simon I mean it's always been something that's been very near and dear to Shannon's heart as a, as a company is supporting the community as best we possibly can um, so it's, it's great that we still are able to do that um, even through all we've been through in 2020 we're still back here at events now which is just something absolutely fantastic and a testament to, to all of the staff that we work with and to the business and the business leaders as well for, for allowing us to do what we can do but uh, um, in, in actual fact I'll go back to the show quickly um, it, the, the idea came from one of my counterparts over east and uh, he was telling me about a, a show that he was doing at a Holden dealership and he had about 13, 14 cars or something like that and uh, I thought I think we can do better than that here in WA. So <laughs> <laughs> this, this entire this entire show is is about showing up the eastern states, really. <laughs> well, I'm always we're, we're always for that. Yeah, aren't sounds we? good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I think uh, to my knowledge, um, this will be the first and probably the last show with one of every Holden from 1948 to 2017 at a Holden dealership in one place at one time. Wow, that's that's a lot of cars, yeah. and that's a lot of cars to actually pinpoint. Yeah, <laughs> that's it amazing. Is. So um, the the count is approximately 171 individual bodies uh, from from 48 to 2017, and then on top of that, because that wasn't enough, we're adding anything that was pre 48 that was built by Holden in Australia oh, as well. So. Is there many here in, in yeah, WA? there is. We're, we're getting a, a pretty good response uh, from Veteran Car Club and, and, and the likes. Um, 
Chevys, Pontiacs, um, seeing a couple of uh, uh, Morrises come out and there's Vauxhalls and uh, I'm still on the lookout for the elusive 32 Model T because that's going front and centre because it's a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so for those of you that don't know that Holden was a coach building company yeah. before it became yeah. a Holden motor company. So most of us uh, see the FX or the 48, as many people refer to it, as being the first Holden. But they actually built quite a number of cars before that. They, they certainly did. They were active in producing cars from approximately 1917. Uh, I think they built one or two cars under, under contract in the years prior. Uh, and then three cars were the start of the contract in in 1917 and they produced approximately six seven thousand cars uh from from 1917 to 1948 and that was that was just in the south australian plant and obviously there was manufacturing in other states as well so um the yeah, model, model t would be quite a coup wouldn't it yeah. <laughs> that's why it's going front and center <laughs> Yeah, what was common practice back in the day? Like, I mean, crates, they used to pack them into a crate, parts of the vehicle or panels, and it was that was quite common for cars to be assembled here in Australia prior, you know, back in the in the thirties and the and, and pre war of course. So that was that was quite common. So a lot of people don't don't know that or aren't aware of that, that Holden represented not just Holden but a number of manufacturers especially American manufacturers prior to prior to 48. So it's great that we're able to get those cars there as well because I think they need to be recognised or, or, or acknowledged in, in, in some sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's an important part and that's that's the whole mantra behind gone but not forgotten. You mm. know, it's, it's, a, it's a reason to remember what has, what has been Holden yeah. and, and what will always be Holden um, because they're, well, they're not making cars anymore. Mm. But uh, certainly they're near and dear to many people's hearts and many of your listeners and many people all around Australia. So um, I guess that's, that's really what I wanted to do because I know that it, it is special. Uh, and that was, that was why I approached you as, as Talk and Power in the first place because I know you're great at telling stories. Mm. And I think it's the, the stories that are important and the most important and will continue to be the most important going forwards um, because, you know, eventually we'll lose a lot of these cars, uh, you know, particularly things like Camiras and Lexans and the, those <laughs> sort of fringe cars that, that weren't, they weren't enthusiast cars, but enthusiasts own them. Um, and eventually there will be none of those left. Um, no doubt there'll still be, you know, your VN, SS Group A's and things like that because people are going to collect and keep those. But uh, the the cars that people will potentially forget about, well, they might have been someone's first car and, and that's got a near and dear story and, and the heart and they'll live on in the stories. So um, that's that's what the show is about is, is collecting those stories and keeping them for posterity as well. It, it's almost surreal that... It's over. It is. It's, it's, it's for me, really it's hard to believe, yeah. you know. Um, I would have expected that they would have, you know, tried to keep the branding. Mm. Um, and, I mean, for me growing up watching Bathurst as a child, uh, you know, that rivalry, I mean, it's, it's never going to be matched, I don't think. I no. don't think we'll no. ever see that, um, you know. It's just really sad 
It is. It is. Yeah, it is very, very sad. But and and that brings me to my next point. Is like tell, to telling the stories. That's what we. That's what we're there for as well. But I mean, I urge all of our listeners there that are going to be there or entering a car on the day to please come forward. I've already spoken with a few people, and they're a bit shy. They don't want to tell their story. There's one particular person that I know. Uh, he has a HQ Monaro, and I only found out. He sent me a photo this week that his car, his HQ Monaro, was actually used by Holden in 2002 to debut the VZ Monaro. So Holden actually used his HQ to debut the 2002 VZ uh, Monaro. And I think that in itself is a quite a pretty, a good claim or a great story. But, you know, I know he's, he's quite shy and he doesn't want to come on and tell us that. But This is John? John, yeah. 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 I, I think um, it's important that, you know, people understand that it's not, like that we just have a chat yeah yeah <laughs> that's all we right. do that's yeah. all there's nothing special about <laughs> no, no. you know it's just like we're talking now but yeah <laughs> and we're just having a chat but just with microphones and headphones on basically yeah so it's it's really straightforward hey um james can you tell us who, i mean some of the entrants so far can you tell us of some special stories or um, I haven't really been collecting the stories yet. Yep. Uh, I know that people have been asking me, they're saying, oh, what is, is my car going to qualify? Is it going to be good enough? And, um, you know, basically, um, the, the late Robert Shannon that started Shannon's, he, he always had the mantra that if your car's special to you, then it's special to us. Yeah. And I think that's really following through here with that. And, and, you know, people are saying, oh, my car, you know, it's, it's not perfect. It's got a few ding, excuse me. That's all right. <laughs> it's got a few dings here and there or whatever, and uh, you know, but it was their first car, and they've had it since they were 17. And it's, what are you talking about? Of course, yeah. bring it along. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the most, yeah. That, yeah. Those, are, those will be the most special stories because you know, they're the guys that rear-ended it doing something stupid, and they, they shouldn't have been, and they were learning because they mm. were only 17 years old. And then you know, they loved the car, and they rebuilt it. Mm. And, you know, that, that's the sort of stuff that we're, we're really looking for. So... Yep. Um, the the stories will come out and i'm sort of i'm wanting to save some of those stories for the mm. for the recordings that you guys are doing so uh, i'm not going to sort of give away too much in yep. this in this format because um otherwise it'll sort of spoil the surprise a little bit yeah no fair enough no that's great i know and mike mike pearson is also committed to to coming as well i mean He's bringing the VEF. The yes, that's right. So um, that, that's just one specific car. The, the car will be there, which is uh, confirmed by Holden as the number one VF produced. Um, so that's wow. that's something special in itself there as well, yeah. Anyway, look, I mean, yeah, for all of those that uh, go to our website, please go to the Shannon's website as well. There's a link from our website to the Shannon's website um, and if you're interested in entering. But... Please, even if you don't have a car to enter, we'd love to see you on the day. I mean, we'd love to see yeah, as many people as possible. I don't think possible. you're ever going to see anything like this again. No, ever. no, no. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, the the reality is that the the date that the show is is because the dealership is going to be repurposed early next year, and it's likely going to be something else. Uh, so we're not going to have this opportunity here at the City Motors dealership, uh, yeah. which is. Uh, it was first started in 1952, I believe, uh, and is one of the, the oldest Holden dealerships in Perth, um, uh, surpassed only by the, uh, I forget the name of it, but it was on Adelaide Terrace. Major, um, Major Motors? Yeah, I think that could be it. Yeah, my um, dad worked there. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, he was the head of the engine shop. 
Oh, there you go. Look, there's another story to be told there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, which, which is obviously not around anymore. And, and for that point, neither is City Motors Holden. They've uh, since closed down. Um, but if we're looking, you know, to the East Coast as well, well... Uh, the the reality is with the coronavirus lockdowns over there you, you can't get the gathering of the sort of size that that we'd need mm. to to get that level of cars in so uh you know this is this is quite possibly the the one and only opportunity for a show of this kind anywhere mm. in australia ever oh. again at a dealership and you know granted it's it's happened before at you know museums and and uh and ovals and, and indoor things like that uh where they've had you know every holden on display but uh at a dealership, one and only. Mm. Yeah, no, we're huge look, effort. We're, huge effort. We're certainly looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, as I said, please, by all means, if you're listening, get on down there. And I, and I think I think you nailed it there in, in saying you know if it's special to you, then, mm. then it's special to us. Yeah. That's that's people that aren't into cars uh, don't get that. No, and that's don't. that's the whole secret to it. Yeah, that's, exactly right. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And we've we've still got lots of spaces in the in the timeline as well. So, really encouraging anyone that's listening with a car to to get in touch with me and uh, and let me know what you've got, even if it is a you know it was a daily driver wagon, VN VP whatever um, that you don't think special and it was just a family car. Well, you know, have a chat to us anyway because we might be the one car we're looking for. You yeah. Know. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It's good to know. Actually, a friend of mine reached out to me, and he's got a, a VZ Commodore, and I it's a wagon, and I, I I didn't say yay or nay, and I said no, just register on the Shannon's website. He goes, oh, it's probably not. You know, you probably probably got too many of those cars or something. And I said, oh, look, I don't know, but I'll, I'll reach out to him and tell him to get it in there. Yeah, we don't. We'd, we'd much rather have too many cars. And, and have to say, sorry, we've already got one, then, then to say, oh, we really wish we had this car and we're missing it. And it's the one car that's let the whole show down. So <laughs> get in touch with us. No, that'd be great. All right, James. Well, look, thanks for that. We're going to take a short break here and we'll be back with more right after this. So, everyone, the big news is we're pregnant. And the other big news is I'm upgrading the brakes on my Mustang. <coughs> if you really love cars, Auto One. All right, welcome back. Talk and Power Podcast, episode 98. And we have in the studio James McDonald from Shannon's. We also got... Todd Brintworth and Simon Travellini, and I'm Nick DeCembri. Thanks for joining us on episode 98. You're listening to us on 88.5 FM and iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Tune in radio as well, Todd, as I told you. Tune in episode. radio, yeah, that's Tune right. Radio, we're, we're on, on there tuning as well. We are, we are. <laughs> hey, look, we've been having a really great discussion with James from Shannon's here, and one of the things I really love about Shannon's is, is your website. We'll get on to we'll get on to the website shortly, but part of your website is at the moment you're running a, an online auction and i've got to be honest with you i had a look through that over the last few days and i've picked out a couple of couple of gems but tell us a little bit about the online auction um traditionally we see auctions done in in real life with cars but they have an online component to it this this auction here has been done purely online there's no there's no real life bidding we'll call it for for this particular auction do you think in your mind we're going to be trending towards this way we've and we're getting moving away from the yeah. in-house live auction 
I don't know. I think there's uh, oh, I'm probably not best place to talk about it, but there's um, there's definitely been a lot of positive feedback for online auctions. Mm. I think the ability to host auctions in person on a single night with a with a um, very very strict time limit, which isn't you know a week like we're seeing with the online auctions, there's certainly still a place for it. Uh, and and it will certainly continue to be a part of our repertoire. Of Shannon's will be the will be the in person auctions with the phone bidding component and that sort yeah. of thing as well. But uh, look, it's, it's not it's not impossible that we will see um, several or one or, or more uh, online auctions throughout the year from Shannon's as well. That uh, mm. it, it's certainly. I mean, the the results that we're seeing are, are, are fantastic from the the online timed auction and. Uh, Certainly weren't really expecting it, particularly in in the time period that we're in at the moment. So um, it's it's been really positive to see the support from the community in in that sense, and people yeah. really interested in buying some of the stuff that's up for auction. So that's yeah. great. Yeah, look, I mean, it's certainly the market swing. I think has gone towards, given the fact that we're unable to travel, overseas holidays have been problematic, interstate travel has been problematic. So we're seeing that. Uh, an increase in in this sort of um, spend, aren't we? Yeah. And and I think you know this is a, a perfect example. I think most most items have had a bid against them. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, you know I've had a I had a brief look the other night, and most options items. So, yeah. um, I haven't personally looked um, over the last couple of days, but uh, that uh, generally is the case. There's fairly strong interest throughout the entire period of the auction it's not just right at the end and uh, mm. the way the auction's designed is is uh, um, uh, uh, it works into overtime when there's multiple people bidding on it so you can't just sneak a bid in right at the last second it'll actually extend the time a little bit as that's well that's right for, yeah for those really popular items so uh, yeah no it's yeah. good to see one of the things that caught my eye was this Sinclair C5 electric car I mean the brainchild of uh, Sir Clive Sinclair I mean, what a! It's fourteen. The bids at fourteen hundred dollars. I thought that's quite a good buy. To bargain, be bargain, Nick. Yeah. It is bargain. People I mean, paying a hundred times that for Tesla. Yeah. Mind you, this you is a piece of history. <laughs> Mind you, you didn't really talk it up, James, on the, the, the Shannon <laughs> website. I haven't really. Um, who made a fortune in the home computer market? The ill-fated C5 uh, was an electrically powered vehicle with a chassis designed by Lotus Cars and a, proper, and a polypropylene body. The seven, uh, sorry, 250 watt motor and battery had limited range. This um, combined with a lack of weatherproofing and relatively slow top speed of 25 kilometres an hour kept London's yuppies from spending. Four hundred pound, three hundred ninety nine pound on the Sinclair and sales fell well short of their expectations. But I think in in today's day and age, that that would be kind of cool, I reckon. And yeah. and it was around before the C five Corvette too. Yeah, it was too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it caught my interest anyway. I was quite, kind of interested in that. Now, look, bikes aren't my thing, but I pulled this bike out as well. This nineteen thirty seven Douglas Aero. Can you tell us a little? Does anyone know much about this bike? I've never actually heard of a Douglas Aero, so but it Nick, caught my interest. What got me about this bike, and and what actually not only me but blew my wife away too, it had one owner from nineteen thirty seven to two thousand and twelve. Yeah, that yeah, is that's... incredible. <laughs> that alone makes the thing valuable. <laughs> That's unbelievable. 
Yeah, I was I was amazed by it, but I, I, I don't as I said, I don't know a lot about bikes, but I just thought that look the look of the bike as well caught my eye. And I thought that's a really good buy. That's that's somewhere between fifteen and, and twenty thousand dollars, which is a magnificent buy really for for a bike of that era, nineteen thirty seven. And the condition that it's in, the photos certainly do it justice. it's a magnificent looking example of of a vintage bike, that's for sure. Nick, there's two two definite standouts for me. Yep. There is a 1990 HSV VN Group A Commodore, mm. a genuine Group A. Yep. Um, those things are just animals. Mm. There's there's nothing VN on that car. It's mm. it's pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to VN owners, but I'm just saying like, it's got the Group A cylinder head with the round exhaust port. Yep. It's got the the uh, the Group A intake manifold, the six speed transmission. Um, incredible car. Um, you know, I, I can only see these cars going up in value. Yeah, yeah. And well, and also the 1971 Ferrari 365 GTC4 Coupe. Now, for those of you that don't know what that is, it is the Coupe version of the Miami Vice yes. uh, Ferrari, which was actually a Corvette with a Ferrari body. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> um, incre- <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know we had any of these in Australia. They're uh, incredible, you know, genuine Ferrari V12 front engine like all Ferraris should be. Your favourite. That's why that's I pulled it. this one Ferraris, that's, that's what they should be. That's they why I pulled this one out because it's front a V12 engine, front engine Ferrari. V12, that's it. That's how it should be. With a stick shift, none of this paddle. Paddles are for boats. That's what they're for. They're for, you know, canoes and stuff, not, not Ferraris. Anyway. That's why I pulled that one out. It is a magnificent car, beautiful-looking car, and, um, you know, worth that. I mean, I'm not sure what it's currently sitting at, but that, that's worth every It's second. currently sitting at 350000 It is a bargain. Yeah, that is Absolute a bargain. Yep. <laughs> anyway, we wish the um, potential bidders on that one the best of luck as well. One interesting fact about this particular auction is, I believe, it is our largest auction ever in terms of number of lots. So... Uh, there should be something for everyone with the number of lots that we've got. That's yeah. for sure. There yeah. definitely is. I believe that there's a, EG, a GT and e, EBGT, EBGT you've been eyeing out there, mate. I haven't, I haven't seen one of those in years. I'm just trying to now, find it. Now, some interesting actually. facts about the EBGT, Nick. Yes. They have a... The engine and transmission is uh, basically a Mustang HO. Mm. This is where the fallacy about the GD40P heads, they have actually got GD40 heads on it, not P heads is in an AU. The intake manifold's unique to the GT and the steering rack is also unique to the GT. It is a quicker turn steering rack. The LSD assembly in that car is different. Okay. Yeah, so there's not a lot of EB in that one then. No, it's very similar to the VN Group A. Let's have a look. I wonder what that's at at the moment. Anyway, we'll get back to that later. We don't want to. Don't want to be chafing it a bit to put a bid down. I'm telling you now. It was that came out in 1992, the EBGT, and I was like, you know, 1992 is a very special year for me because I finished. Well, it's in my final year of high school. Got my driver's license, so you know, they're they're formative years. Can you see him tearing up there? Yeah, yeah. What's that? I wish I could go back. I want to tell you, I've driven one. Oh, have you? Yeah. It probably didn't drive well. Or did it I just remember I wasn't allowed to drive it very far, and I, I was impressed with it as well, though. Oh, okay. But I wasn't allowed to drive it very far. Yeah. The Sprint that I had 
is basically a GT without all the, the body kit. Mm, yeah. And um, yeah, they're an incredible car. They're like the ESPs. Mm. You drive a, an XE and then you drive an ESP, you think you drive a different yeah, car. Yeah, two different cars. <laughs> you know, just yeah. um, suspension geometry, the valving, mm. the, the spring rate. Uh, incredible cars. Well worth the money. Okay, well, I should look at that. Yeah. <laughs> James, look, while we're here talking all things Shannons, the Shannons Club is one thing that I, I, I really enjoy getting on there as well. I've, I've made a profile up and I, I can't seem to log back in. I'll, I'll try and sort that out in the coming days. But It's because you've been blocked. It. <laughs> it looks like I have. It doesn't accept my password unless <laughs> I've forgotten it. But anyway, look, I mean, the, the Shannons Club allows, even if you're not a member of Shannons, uh, even if you're not a... Even if you do not have insurance with Shannon's, correct, yeah. you still have the ability to go onto the club website and enjoy all the all the all the things you have there. So basically, the club TV. Now that's you actually grown that quite significantly in the past. You know, recent times you've added a yeah. fair bit of content to that. Definitely, I mean, it's been a it's been a big focus and something we've been pushing quite hard on in terms of trying to bring original content to the enthusiasts mm. and, and using the Shannon's Club platform as a as a really nice, clean, friendly social media platform for motoring enthusiasts to go and enjoy motoring content as it should be, you yeah. know, focusing on the cars, focusing on what's special about them and, and focusing on people's stories again and coming back to the original idea of people's stories. Mm. That's uh, particularly the Driven series is really good at doing yeah. that, is, is following uh, people's passion stories and uh, really getting to the bottom of, of why someone likes a car and, and owns the car that they do or bike as well for mm. that matter so they would third party a lot of that out as well or is that produced most of it's produced in in house um, our marketing team does a lot of the uh, driven series that sort of thing uh, things like classic restos is is done by fletch fletch yeah um, and and that is part of a, a television uh thing that they they have going but uh, we, we post some of that content as well sorry all of that content on our yeah. website as well uh and then there's there's other examples of stuff like uh the shane jacobson series which was ended of an era that was a fantastic uh, mm. mini series sort, yep. of, sort of thing that we did um that uh that sort of stuff as well uh, yeah a lot of original content on there it's not just uh, third-party content that's on there as well, which there is a lot of as well. Yeah, um, such as our partnership with Mighty Car Mods. That's yeah. another example uh, where they where they put on all of their content goes onto the Shannon's Club as well. Mm. Can I ask a favour? This is I'm asking for <laughs> for myself really. Sure. Mark Osler, can we get him back to V8 the supercar commentary? He was a legend. I, I he, love. He still is a legend. He is. Yeah, yeah. he is one of the best commentators that this country ever produced. He, he does the Legends of Motorsport, yeah? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Right. and and I have watched quite a few episodes of that on Free to Air TV. Mm-hmm. It is brilliant. And yeah. the way he tells the story is just incredible. You just, you, you, you get goosebumps, especially mm. if you were lucky enough to have watched that particular race uh, yeah. live that he's yeah. discussing. Yeah. Um, he's had some incredible interviews. Uh, mm. um, Larry Perkins... Alan Moffat, uh, just to name a couple, both Correct. brilliant, brilliant. I mean, his time in the sport was way too short for my liking. I mean, he was there in the Channel 10 days and maybe Channel 7 as well. But, yeah, yeah. I just really enjoy his commentary and he, he really knew his stuff as well. I put him up there with Mike Raymond, I really do. Maybe he was too impartial. 
Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I mean, no, with respect to Crompo and um, and to Scafi, but yeah, Marco, like we really, if we can get Crompo's all right. Yeah, Crompo's all right. But yeah. if we can get Mark Osler back, swap out one Mark with another, <laughs> that would be awesome. I really enjoy listening to Mark Osler. He actually did uh, produce the magazine for some time as well. Uh, I think he was producing. Um, one of the touring car magazines as well or as an editor there so yeah look i mean i really enjoy the club tv um uh, content i think what you've got happening there is is really great um also club website as well now tell us a little bit about that um you you explained to me the other day on the phone actually Mm. so for car clubs that are in their infancy or car clubs that may be managed by how can i say this people that are not tech savvy perhaps Uh, they can build their own club website on, in in the Shannon's uh, club uh, website. Correct. So yeah. they can have their own website inside a website, basically. Isn't exactly right. I mean, we give them their, their own web hosting area where it's a, it's a shannons.com.au address, um, but they, they have f- essentially free reign to create any categories that they want. They can have their list of members there. They can have uh, membership instructions. They can sell merchandise through... Uh, the that that part of the club and will give prices for the merchandise at the very mm. least. Uh, they can put up their own uh, newsletters. They can list their, all their own events as well. Um, basically, any, anything that you would do on a Facebook page or a or your own bespoke website, you can do on the Shannon's Club as well. And yeah. it's a it's a it's a really nice place for for everyone to come without having to to deal with all of the 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 stuff that goes with Facebook or the stuff that goes with creating your own web hosting as well. So mm. yeah. yeah. I think it's a great initiative from Shannon's, to be honest with you, where you can build your own club, allows you to build a, a website. If I had the numbers correct here, there are over 2,000 clubs that are on, on, on your website. So that's, that's phenomenal. <laughs> good, good you've done the research because I can't remember off the top of my head. But, uh, it was 2,137, right. but I just wrote over 2,000. You have over 130,000 members on the website <laughs> and over 3,000 forum topics as well. So, I mean, it's, it really is. That's what I said, my opening sentence there, which I haven't read. It really is a social media hub in its own merit, isn't it? It's yeah. really its own Facebook page, but it's not... It doesn't have the... Exactly right. I mean, those those numbers are probably about 12 months old that are on the, oh, okay. the homepage of the Shannon's Club. So uh, it's certainly grown since then as well. Hasn't uh, got the like button. But I mean, it's it's very much a, a chronological-based uh, content media system. Yeah. So um, there's there's no curating or any algorithms or anything like that. So mm. you, you get access to the content that you want to see or the newest content or whatever as well. So... Uh, it, it's really nice for people, particularly ones that aren't so tech savvy. Uh, it's it's yeah. much easier to find things on a, on a chronological based system than it is on a, on a Facebook or mm. a Instagram or whatever type system. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, magnificent, magnificent uh, web page. And look, just to finish off before we go to a break, look, give us give us a plug. The All American Drive and Ride Prize. I mean, tell us how we can go on the running to either win a Ford Mustang GT V8 Fastback. Or, uh, sorry, and a limited edition Indian Scout 100th anniversary motorcycle. I mean, the motorcycle, no good for me, but I'd give it to Simon. But uh, tell us. (coughs) He's already said he'd give it to me, mate. I'll have you get get to that. It's a done deal. You can find him for the Mustang. So tell us how we can go about winning that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're... 
uh, really excited to be able to give such a fantastic prize away and it is both not just one or the yeah, other it's both, so, sorry, yes. yeah no no you're all yeah. good <laughs> uh, so re- really simple with that um, the, to be in the draw for the the prize you either get a quote from us for one entry you take out a new motor policy for five entries or if you've got a home and contents policy you automatically get 10 entries wow okay there you go that is I just took out a home and contents policy and I was about to give you Shannon's a plug for helping me out a lot with my home and contents so awesome (laughs) there you go alright look we'll take a short break here and we'll be back with more right after this The Auto One Customer Loyalty Program, the Auto One Club, has been designed to provide privileges to loyal customers. Head on over to www.autoone.com.au and click on the club membership tab or alternatively head into your local Auto One store and ask about the benefits that come with being a loyal Auto One club member. While you're in the store, be sure to check out Auto One's extensive range of impact automotive garage tools floor mats and coolant. The Impact Automotive range offers quality products at affordable prices. From a three-ton heavy-duty trolley jack to an adjustable mechanic seat, the Impact Automotive range has a garage tool that'll suit your needs. The range has also well over 20 different types of floor and boot mats to suit your ride. They come in rubber or fabric with a PVC backing to stop slipping. Also in the range is an extensive choice of coolant. Whether it be pre-mixed or concentrate, the long life range of red and green impact automotive coolant is bound to have a product that suits your needs. To view the full range of impact automotive products, head on over to www.auto1.com.au or visit one of their stores. Auto One is committed to bringing you the brands you know and trust at great prices. Coupled with their team's knowledge and experience, Auto One, it's the one. All right, welcome back to episode 98 of the Talk and Power podcast. We have James McDonald from Shannon's here with us. We've also got Simon Gonzo Travellini and Todd Brinkworth, and I'm Nick DeCembre getting us on 88.5 FM or iTunes Stitcher, where we get your podcasts from. Now, look, James, I know I'm going to get you to wear a different hat, or no, it's kind of your same <laughs> hat, really, from a from a Shannon's point of view, or your your you're dealing with the government all the time. So tell us a little bit about concessions for classics. Uh, The legislation is due to roll out next year. Can you tell us a bit about where we're at with that at the moment? Yeah, sure. So um, the the update that everyone is obviously familiar with is the the one from the uh, Transport Minister's Office, Rita Safiotti, uh, from a couple of months ago. Uh, Nothing's really been set in stone past that. I know there's still uh, a bit of contention amongst exactly what the scheme is going to look like for the code 404 guys uh, and there's there's still some unanswered questions as well around things like mechanic servicing the car and that sort of thing whether or not that's going to count towards one of your 30 personal days or if it's going to be excluded or whatever um, so there's there's some questions to be answered there um, and that's something that the department of transport's working through mm. with its uh, relevant stakeholders and uh, we're we're confident that uh, well the department of transport is confident that they'll be able to launch on time um, the word is that they've set a date but uh, that uh, that's beyond us at the moment we don't know what that date will be uh, other than next year sometime yeah so, yeah 
Um, that's that's all we know for the for the concessions for classics at this stage. Yeah. But again, another fantastic thing for the WA community uh, mm. to, to get a concession like that, uh, which allows people to get all of these cars that they've had in the garage for years uh, yeah. actually licensed again because it's instead of being eight nine hundred dollars, it's now one to three hundred dollars. So mm. Yeah. Better. Yeah. yeah, no, certainly, certainly. I was contacted by one of the people involved in this, mm-hmm. and um, he said that you guys produced some undisputable uh, statistics <laughs> that the state government was almost in shock over with, with the... the um, well, I'm uh, not, not sure about in shock over it, but um, <laughs> cer- certainly we, uh, we, 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 had, we played a small part with our submission that we, we produced to the Department of Transport, or to, sorry, not to the Department of Transport, but to the uh, Transport Minister's office. Uh, regarding the the comparison between WA and other states, uh, and and we provided some recommendations based on that, uh, which it appears that uh, some of our recommendations got, uh, uh, I guess, pushed through into this this later system, which is, which is good to see. Um, granted, you know, uh, plenty of other systems out there look good on the face of it, but aren't so great in in reality because they're a, a bit of a nightmare in terms of administration or. Um, they're, they're too restrictive in one way or another or whatever. So I think there's a, there's a pretty good compromise considering we had nothing to start with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do think that they really did take on board the, the learnings of every other state um, when, when coming up with this uh, suggestion. And I don't want to make any false pretenses that uh, we, we made them do this or anything like that. Um, we, we only really played a very small part in this. So um, it, the, the thanks really go out to the, the dedicated individuals that uh, really helped push this through. So uh, thank you to them. And, 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 and of course, the state government. And actually, thanks to the state government. Uh, exactly right. I mean, we'd be nowhere without them wanting to listen and, and, and give something for the community. So, yeah, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, James, while you're here now, we'll get you to change your hat. Also, um, <laughs> Australian Street Machine Federation, <laughs> yes. WA, how, how are things going there? Are you able to give us just a quick update of what you guys are working on yourself and Stan and yeah, Chris absolutely. and Claude? Claude. That's Claude. The, yep. yep. <laughs> and Rita as well. Uh, so uh, we've, we've uh, been working very studiously. Uh, on producing a, a presentation for the Department of Transport, and it is actually the Department of Transport this time, uh, where uh, we've we've met with them um, to to discuss our a range of concerns and uh, feedback from various different areas of the the car community, and uh, and we will be meeting again with them shortly as well yep. um, to to give some. Uh, I guess evidence and and suggestions uh, based on feedback from the community as well, and mm. I can't really say a whole lot more than that. Excuse me, because I can't really say a whole lot more than that because there's not all that much that we, yeah. we can say at this point in time because it's it's still just in early days of discussion and and the uh, the and sorry the early days of the discussion and and the relationship. But uh, the Department of Transport has, has been very positive in, in wanting to work with us and wanting to listen to the the needs of the community as well. So yeah. so fantastic news there, oh, um, and news. it is what we needed for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great news. That's great news well look on that note we'll take a short break here and we'll be back with more right after this break All right, welcome back. Episode 98 of the Talking Power podcast. Now, we've been talking all things Holden t- tonight in, in light of our 100th episode that's coming up. 
So I just I came across this uh, interview on motoring.com.au with Richard Falazzo. Um, now he was one of their head designers of Holden for since 1988. So he was there right to the end, Richard. And Simon crunches on his chips there. I think you turned him down, didn't you? I did. I've muted him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's back now. Hey, and uh, look, I mean, he gave his rundown on the on the top Holdens in his mind uh, from a production design and production point of view. So I just thought I'd throw this in there. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, the HK Bonaro 1968. I think that's a bit of a no-brainer for me. I, I, I wasn't surprised by that one. The one I was surprised with was the next one was the LC Tirana. In, in it's it's just it's interesting that they started. I mean, you know, obviously the HKs, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's a big milestone, but the FB and the FC, to me, are, you know, they're a they're a classic. I think yeah. if, if reading between the lines of his article was because that they had a lot of American influence those models still, and even the HD still had a lot of American influence. It wasn't yeah. until they got that to the HK and HT that they washed themselves of the American influence in the design team. It kind of so, looks like a Chevelle though. It looks a lot like a Chevelle. It looks a lot like a Chevelle. But no, I mean that's that's how I read the uh, I've read the article in, in its in its. You know, entirety. I see a fifty five in the FD and the the FC. The EK, you know, obviously it's, it's got some fifty seven Chev, hmm. you know, lines to it. But it was a lot later. Yeah. You know, whereas the FD FC that was that was pretty that was a current shape then. You know yeah, what I mean? That was yeah. a yeah. Um, I thought it was a cool. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, obviously the HK, the Monaro, the first of the two doors yeah. um, have to be a standout. But of all the of all the Tiranas, I wouldn't have thought the LC was was in, in, in terms of design. I, I wouldn't have thought that it's was... much nicer looking than a HB. Yeah, 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 it was. <laughs> but wouldn't, wouldn't the LX uh, hatchback, hatchback ranked oh. somewhere in but there? But that was basically an Opal. Yeah. Okay. So wasn't the LC, LC was ours, wasn't it? And they remarketed it. Yeah, the as, nose, yeah. the nose was um, was definitely ours. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, I think the TA may have come out elsewhere. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, HQ that was a bit of a no-brainer as well. I mean, mm. given that that car ran for four years as well, I think that's an incredible, an incredible car, really. The HQ and and you know, as as he goes on to say, there it was the, one of the models that you could chop, make, turn in like. They turned it into a Ute. It looked great. Yeah. As yeah. a panel van, it looked great. As a Monaro, it looked great. In, in all of its variations, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it looked great. Yeah, and, and definitely. It is certainly correct. There. I think the, the HQ as well was really the peak of Holden's uh, build it how you want it as well with all the different options that were possible and, and the body yeah. styles as well, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, you could basically have pretty much anything that you could possibly think of in the in the 70s you could put into an hq so there, that there was, was a plethora of motor and transmission options yeah exactly there right. was even a rotary in one of them yeah we didn't get that in australia thank god <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine a pp hq <laughs> <laughs> the only only sad point about the hq is that it was the death of the uh, holden factory here in western australia i think that was uh, that that was probably the only sour point because they just couldn't possibly keep up with the demand of all of the different options that I've just mentioned. So they they were consolidating at the same time. So everything went over to Elizabeth. So mm. and that's the yeah unfortunate plus side. But uh, certainly it was a big leap forwards for Holden in terms of what they could offer to the customer. Yeah, yeah, no, most certainly, most certainly. The one that really got my eye as well was the, the I actually made it. Um, 
I bolted the text, was the VT Commodore as well, 1997. And... and um, when they developed that car, some of the commentary back from Ford was, well, you're working on the VT. Watch out for the, We're working on the AU. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure that worked out for our no. Ford guys. I'm not really convinced. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what my favourite comment was? Uh, the VE, the, 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 it was really, the VE was the first of the sports wagon. But, you know, some of the, the Americans wrote back saying, you know, wagon stink. No one wants one of those. <laughs> They're made for middle-aged guys <laughs> yeah. who aren't getting any sex. I had one for eight years. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> if the shoe fits. <laughs> yeah, the- I take offence to that, owning, yeah. owning a wagon, and wagons being my favourite boy style. Uh, yeah. it's- <laughs> it was a, it's a cool-looking car, but... Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, how that didn't sell in America... Because um, that should have been a direct competitor for the 300C. Oh, they should have yeah. been smack on. Absolutely. I mean, we, we look at the, the domestic market that was here in the, you know, the, the mid-2000s through to the late you know, 2010s. There, there were so many opportunities mm. for, for the cars that we were producing here to be sold in the US from, from the, the ute to the, mm. uh, to the wagon to the, the Commodore. And it was just, it, it was you know, honestly a failure of the, the marketing team for sure. But, uh, oh, and, and of course, I mean, there's costs associated and politics and all the, all the other things. There was a lot of arrogance oh. <laughs> on, on, on that side of the planet. Mm. Um, you know, I, I felt it when I was over there and, I'd run into someone with a GDO mm-hmm. and um, if you were having a discussion with them and there was someone else, they'd go, that's not a GDO, you know, it's some Australian thing. <laughs> um, but the car itself, like, it, it, it was, you know, the Monaro was a cool car. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? And, and it should have sold really well and uh, yeah. the Ute definitely, um, an old friend of mine who... Uh, he, he's not with us anymore now, but we discussed it while we were over there, sending a heap of utes over there, mm-hmm. converting them because the Camaro parts bolted. It was the same platform as the Camaro, mm-hmm. so steering yeah, rack yeah, and exactly. so on bolted straight in um, because I reckon they would have sold like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. And why they didn't release them as an El Camino mm-hmm. over there yeah. is just stupid. Yeah, you know, they exactly. would. The Yanks love that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. You know. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I guess that's why we're they're not around now, and that's that's the sad part about it. The VF. In my opinion, the VF and the FGX are the two best Australian cars ever built, bar none. No, yep. Nothing, I mean, they, they technologically and styling were so far advanced, um, definitely world-class cars, you know. Did we, as sorry, not we, GM brand the wrong car in terms of Monaro? Was the Pontiac GDO the right horse to get on? Should we have branded the Monaro as another GM product instead? No, because the the follow the, the Pontiac GDO following is is a strong one. Oh, it, should they have branded it as something else in America? Mm. Uh, yeah, probably uh, you know, like a Chevelle or something. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you're going to offend you're going to offend the purist. There's no ifs or buts about it. I, I just think the the Pontiac following. Especially the GDO following. It might have been a strong one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were they making Camaros then? They stopped from 02 to 06, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) There was some, yeah, some stuff. I thought it was 02. When I was over there, there was no Camaro, and that was 03. The only thing was you went from a Camaro that had, you know, a shovel nose. Yeah, Yeah, like Frankie's one. Yeah, to... 
the, probably the Monaro wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the Monaro was the right fit in the terms of the, the lineage of the car. Mm. And certainly seeing what's come out since then as well, yeah. it would have been a bit of a, a backward step probably for yeah, the Camaro brand. The, but, I mean, they, they went to that shape because of the Mustang. Yeah, you know, exactly just, right. I mean, Just like Chrysler did. Yeah. And, and the sad part about Chrysler is that they got rid of Dodge, so they mm. couldn't call it a or Plymouth or whatever they couldn't call it a Cuda. Yeah. You know, because it, it would have made sense. Sorry, not Dodge, Plymouth. Yeah. It would have made sense to call it a Cuda because it looks like a Cuda. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Ford really, it was a, a big thing what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in the scheme of where we are in the world now with you know, trying to optimise fuel economy and reduce emissions, it probably wasn't the smartest move, but uh, as an enthusiast, uh, it was a big deal and, and it really... I mean, you just you just have to look, to look at the sales here in Australia of the Mustang, the, you know, the, the Australian-delivered Mustang, to see how V8s are still very much alive yeah. here in Australian mm. culture and as the same... Well and truly over in, in the US with the, the muscle car renaissance that they're having, as a lot of motoring journalists have called it, is, you know, you, you're seeing the likes of the Mustang and the Camaro and, and, and all those sort of, um, you know, the, the, the really, um, the epitome of the 70s and, and early later 60s as well, coming back in, in, in a big way. And people are buying them left, right and centre now. And, and mm. we sort of, I guess we really missed out on that here in Australia, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the fact that they, the next generation of the Camaro, they didn't release it in a right-hand drive version. Yeah, that's it's, right. It just, you know what I mean? The base General Motors is basically yielding to Ford and going, ah, oh, you take the muscle car market. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, yeah, they certainly are. Anyway, we'll take a short break here. We're going to be back. We're going to wrap up with a whole lot of motorsport. We've got a heap of motorsport to come your way, so we'll wrap. We'll have it. We'll take a short break here, and we'll be back right after this. Okay, episode 98 of the Talking Power podcast, and we've got James McDonald from Shannon's here, Simon Gonzo Travellini, and Todd Brinkworth. Thanks for joining us, guys, and we're going to kick off the... Um, now, it was very remiss of me not to mention this at the last episode, but at the last episode, Stevie Fast Jackson had won his second Pro Mod Championship, and uh, there were celebrations in the United States of America as when he was coming home. This was... The- <laughs> Stevie Fast just coming, doing a tour of the nation here. The he's in Brooklyn. <laughs> Where is he based? Georgia? Uh, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a Georgia crowd. Anyway, we're just having a bit of a laugh there. But, yeah, and congratulations to Steve Jackson uh, for his second NHRA Pro Mod Championship. Now, on, a, on another note, and now talking about celebrations, check this out. This is Chase Elliott. He's won uh, the NASCAR top tier in um, the, the championship. Chase Elliott, this is his homecoming. Now, check this out for social distancing. You can see the crowd here, like, practising their social, social distance. He's not, is he? (laughs) 
Can you imagine this happening in Australia? No. <laughs> no. I can imagine it, but it's going to be ensued by wall-to-wall coverage from 7, 9 and 10 about yeah. uh, dangerous burnouts. Robbie Gordon did exactly <laughs> the same thing in Darwin and almost got locked up in jail for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he did get locked up, Nick. Yeah, he did he get locked up. And lynched and dragged down the street and, you know... <laughs> But then he was let go. (laughs) So congratulations to Chase Elliott. I thought I'd just show that. And this crowd here practicing their social distancing. (laughs) And you can see they're all wearing masks, which is good because that'll protect them from the rubber. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's done in conjunction with the sheriff, so it's all okay. It must be okay. Yeah, it's fine. I don't know what that siren is, but my kids found it very annoying, actually, when I was watching (laughs) that video on the weekend. Anyway. It's the warning siren. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, did you guys catch the Formula One last night? No. No. I've got to be honest with James, yourself. No. Oh, you guys missed out on probably one of the best races. No, Nick. No. No. The MotoGP. No, it was on before the MotoGP. So Doesn't matter. Did, did, was didn't it, have that, to miss like, Yes. You had to. You would have missed Moto too, actually. I would have watched Home and Away before I watched it. <laughs> I must say, I woke up to about 100 messenger notifications, so it must have been a good race. It was an it excellent was race. It was... Uh, oh, hey, MotoGP was good. Sorry. The MotoGP was an excellent yeah, race. Brilliant. No, and so was the Formula <laughs> 1. The last was, lap was incredible. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. We'll get to MotoGP in a minute. We will get there. But I just want to just want to finish off by saying, you know, I copped a bit of flack last week or two weeks ago about my commentary about uh, Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I still strongly believe. I still strongly believe. <laughs> I've been waiting for this all night, Nick. All night. Okay. But, uh, he, he still stands as, as number one. Um, I still strongly believe that he goes down in the history books as one of the greatest of all time. Yes. I've yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you can't argue that he's not the greatest of all time. Well, Statistically. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of people wouldn't agree. They believe that there are other drivers that haven't uh, that that are that are arguably better than him. I I like who? that. Oh, the man sitting next to you actually has a fair Todd, Todd thinks that, that he's better than. <laughs> no, not me. Jeez. <laughs> no, I think you. I think you. You. You subscribe to that. Nothing wrong with that. Who, who do you think's better? Well, I actually had a chat with a friend of mine in the UK today. Well, sort of all hours of the morning, who is a big Hamilton fan and said, statistically, as you just said, greatest of all time. Mm. But then we brought up the fact about, I think what Nick was going to cover off, some drivers that didn't quite have the runs on the board, but drove cars that were arguably garbage. And if they had got given better cars, could have maybe done it. Yeah, but you know, is that is that part of... But being then, yeah. a good driver but is, yeah. that, is that like saying well I'm not going to race with this team because their car's crap and that's where we got we got sidetracked and I actually am going to sit on the fence on this one for a little while um, and I'm open to opinions on this one there has been times when Hamilton was given a not so great car and didn't make it work but there's been other times where Hamilton was given the best toy to play with in the field you know he, he might have been have, sore from the tattoos or something <laughs> he didn't have the best car last night Still one. Yeah, but... Look at Bottas, 14th. I think they gave Sister up. car. Anyway. Anyway, look, yeah. anyway, it doesn't matter. Sister car like Alex Marquez and Mark Marquez's <laughs> yeah, bikes. Yeah. Sister yeah. bikes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Sure we, they are. We, we should talk about the group penalties. I, maybe, I, maybe, <laughs> maybe, just throwing it out there, maybe 
uh, he got the different shocks before everyone else. Possibly. <laughs> I, I don't. All, all I know is that you know we. I've given Lewis a hard time on this podcast before because I don't like the carry on and the antics and the the positioning of how he puts himself in a political the arena and and some of his commentary around those sort of things. But he's driving. I think he's up there. I really do. There he is. Just I'm actually going to plug some of my own stuff for once. Uh, there is a, okay. <laughs> so say, free. The other thing that changed from last was there was a very good article which I have linked on my Facebook page and also tagged the Talk and Power podcast in. Yep. Written by a motor journalist in the UK, and it goes back from day dot of Lewis Hamilton mm. and describes the go kart days. Mm. The fact that and I saw him say this once. He said when he was like nine or ten, "I want to drive for McLaren." One McLaren, day. yeah, yeah. Yep. And he said that. Mm. And then he, he, he got there. did everything he could to get there. And I mean, I give him that because, mm. you know. Yeah. Anyway, look, I, mean, I I didn't come up with this meme either, by the way. There's a, a, a Oprah Winfrey with the FIA logo <laughs> yeah. over her head. I didn't come up with that. But I saw that on a social media page. But they were handing out penalties after qualifying. Like it was like Oprah hands out Oprah's. <laughs> penalties for you. <laughs> penalties for you. <laughs> Lance Stroll, Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz, George Russell all got penalties. So they were still discussing those penalties and, and working them out 90 minutes before the race. So positions were changing on the grid up until an hour and a half before the race. It was incredible. But I think, you know, it was one of the... Look, from a spectator's point of view, it was probably a terrible race. It was raining for most of it. And we could just see cars struggling so much to get to get grip. But that's what we want to see. We don't yeah. want to see cars with traction control and active suspension. We want to see them struggle. We want to see them... H-pattern, Nick. Yeah. Weber carburetors yeah. Weber's and H-pattern. H-pattern. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe the onboard from Max Verstappen's car at... It, 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 there was one particular corner it would just go into wheel spin continually corner after corner and he could not make that car they couldn't pull out enough power to stop wheel spin out of this particular corner the car in front of him would just shoot off into the shoot off into the distance and then he'd have to do all the hard work and catch back up again but that's what we want to see yeah you know mm. in, the, in the wet I thought it was a very exciting race very, anyway MotoGP moving on to MotoGP two seconds before we move on as well oh okay Lewis Hamilton next year. Is, yep. he, is he going to return? Oh, he'll be back. Yeah, okay. I think that was just a he's, bit of... He's still got uh, the overall fastest lapsed record to beat as well. I think he's about somewhere between 15 and 20 races behind on the fastest lap. There we so go. I think he's chasing that. There you go. He oh. did say, he dropped a hint during the week, didn't he, that he might not be back, but that's yeah. all. That's just a bit of... And the other good news I saw today was it's not official yet, but they are asking for officials for the Melbourne F1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melbourne F1's on the sign. calendar. Yeah. I mean, there's no guarantees still, but it's on no, the calendar. but that's a good sign. Mm, yeah. Stay inside. Yep. Yeah. March. <laughs> <laughs> now, moving on to MotoGP. Now, I do agree 100%. What a last lap. Jack Miller. Jeez, I thought he had it. Don't you reckon? It looked like I thought he, he was going to uh, get the win there. But, uh, you know... Um, uh, look, regardless of whether he did or not, uh, he... You know he's he's got he's safe for next season. Yeah, <laughs> you know oh, what yeah, I mean. 100%. I mean, when when you got a satellite team, and he's delivered the results that he has this season, he has had a lot of bad luck this season, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. been in the wrong place, the wrong time, a couple of times. Yeah. Um, 
But what a last lap. Yeah. What yeah, an incredible... I don't know of anyone that watched it that wasn't biting their nails and sitting on the edge of the seat. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, they didn't even... When they were interviewed after the race, they couldn't tell how many times the lead had changed. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Just, yeah. And it was a clean battle. It was... Marquez always likes to bully. He kind of puts the bike where you've got no choice. These two guys didn't do that. Mm. They fought like... They were like watching knights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was an excellent... Yeah, it was it great. Wasn't. Knights it wasn't. riding stallions. But what <laughs> Jousting I mean, swords. <laughs> but what about an outstanding effort? I mean, we need to pay homage now to the, the world champion, John, John Mir. Suzuki's first titles in, in 20, 20 years. years. Kenny Roberts Jr. Wow. Yeah. He's like, it's like in, a in 2000. Memory. In 2000. I remember Kenny Roberts Jr. Now, like, you, you yeah. know, like... I, I'm a VR fan, mm. no ifs or buts, you know. Um, I've also been whatever Australian rider, whether it be Casey Stoner or Jack Miller, um, but, you know, I ride a Suzuki. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, it's pretty Did you cool. ride it today? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold. But, yeah, look, hats off to Suzuki. To win a title in this year, I, I think... And most- how they did it, it was consistency. And, and here's the thing, right? If you're a manufacturer, it's good to win races, but it's better to win races on the fact that you were consistently good. Mm. You know what I mean? You didn't have that string of like five wins yeah, exactly. and then 10 DNFs. You know, it was it was just the, their consistency. And let's see how they go. They might wrap up the um, manufacturer's championship if they do well at the next race. There's yeah. one more round to Still go. one more round to go, yeah. Um, but it has been an incredible season yeah. without Mark Marquez. So maybe, Mark, if you're listening, maybe you should quit now. <laughs> won enough. Um, we're all enjoying MotoGP without you. Your brother's doing all right. You know, Honda's obviously got some problems. But <laughs> Can I ask a question? Do you think at the start of the season we all ticked off on the Yamaha world title here? Because I certainly did. No, no I didn't. I, I did. Oh, I, I mean, I, I felt that um, I felt that they were in there with a chance, but you know, they still had that reliability issue from last season. Well, it's arguably worse. It is arguably worse. It's <laughs> ironic that the 2019 bikes, yeah, <laughs> have finished better than the current bikes <laughs> at every race. I just honestly, I thought when Marquez went down and we knew he wasn't coming back, I, I kind of ticked off on my head. Well, I, I knew, I knew he wasn't. You too. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, Todd, Todd. But I'm going to be honest. I thought I actually thought Fabio Quattararo was gonna was gonna take it. Yeah, but really he, he, you know, there is a point in in a, a, a racer's career where he thinks about the championship rather than the win. Now, whether that be good coaching, a good team manager, or, or just a person's demeanour, um, I've seen it play out over the seasons, and Casey Stoner was one of the most brilliant ones at it. He had the skill set to be able to win the race, but occasionally he would say, you know what, second is going to do just fine. Mm. You know, you need to be mature about it. Mm. And that's the problem with the young guys. They're not very mature. And, and you know, you start to see it with the older guys too. Valentino you know, dropped the bike a couple of times because he was pushing for that podium position where he should have just, you know, settled into the groove. And, mm, you know, yeah. this championship was 
uh, open for everyone. Mm. And and I think at the beginning of the season, there's no way in the world you would have picked um, you would have picked Mir as, as being nah. a, a potential winner. He dropped a bike in the first round. Mm. Yeah, I certainly did. Um, and and you know, I mean, I was excited when Suzuki got their first win because that was a pretty big deal. Um, but to win the championships, unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable, and a, a big credit for how quick they got that team together. Um, and you know what, KTM as well. KTM's yeah. right; they're on the cusp. Mm. Um, I would not be surprised, depending on what happens with Marquez, depending on what he's like. I think I think that the big advantage that Mark Marquez has had for the last few years is the fact that he hasn't had a big undoing. And I, I don't know how you go coming back from a big undoing with the confidence, you know, because we talk about riding at 11 tenths. Um, there were times where he, he rode at 12 tenths. Yeah. You know, he was way outside the, 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 where the tyre should be. Mm. Uh, but he got it done. So I don't know how confident he's going to be coming back because, uh, you know, in the back of his mind, he's going to have that high side. Mm. Um, and that was that was violent. That was oh, yeah, like exactly that, right. that bike grabbed yeah, him and threw him. You know? Yeah, it's <laughs> tough to come back off a crash like that oh, for sure. I, I mean. think so. So, you know, if if he doesn't have that confidence next season, uh, then um, I think you know, watch KTM hmm. definitely. Yamaha's got a long way to go. I mean, they they need a better engine um, that's going to give them the power and the reliability. They just don't have that now. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, if my garage is anything to go by, the microcosm of the MotoGP world, my Yamaha really don't trust it, whereas the uh, the Suzukis are just reliably leaking oil slowly. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but as I said, I, I was adamant. And I had Ducati down as a second as well. But anyway, I, I'm glad I was wrong. I, you know, Ducati's problem this season was the unrest within the team. Mm. You, yeah. you need to have a bunch of guys. And this is where Valentino did so well for so many years. He changed brands, but he brought his whole team with him, you know. Mm. Um, and when you've got that where you're just there having fun, you, you just, I mean, it's like any job, you know. Like if you have a good time when you come to work, you want to be there and you want to, you want to do a good job, you want to have a laugh at the end of the day, you know. Um, that that was the problem, and, and that's been a stigma with Ducati for a long time. Even when Casey Stoner was there, there was a lot of unrest within the team. Mm. That's something they need to deal with. Um, and, you know, it, it may be that when they find their golden goose that they think about taking on the whole, you know, his whole team. Yeah. Just poach the, the crew chief and, and all the crew. Mm. Yeah. But... Um, you know, I, I, to me, KTM is is the one to watch because you know Red Bull is going to want to get a championship by their own rights, yeah, and, yeah. and they want that bike to win because mm-hmm. that is essentially they're very uh, uh, patriotic, yeah, and, and that is their that's their bike. Mm. You know, yeah, for them to have won a race, I mean, I don't know if you guys can envisage <laughs> what's involved in that. That's just incredible, you know, because the the they haven't got that history. They haven't got that data. They can't look at anything that they've, you know, they built a great motocross bike. But yeah. to get into this realm, exactly this right. is... They've been a strong performer in motocross and enduro for a long time, but... Uh, yeah. This is MotoGP. Moto, Moto, exactly right. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So look, congratulations to the team at Suzuki. It's great to see them have a win after 20 years. That's um, certainly worth the wait. And Also, it's their 100th anniversary this year. There you go. Wow. There you go. Didn't know that. Didn't know that. All right, well, look, moving along. Um, now we need to pay respect to a gentleman. Um, it was the president of uh, Bosma uh, Club, and uh, Michael Arthur sadly passed away very recently. Um, Todd, did you know Michael? He was had quite a fair bit of involvement as well in, in Targa and, and Dirt Rally as well. Yeah, met him around the traps, so to speak. So, yeah, was sort of made aware he was had been unwell the other night. And there's a few other people involved with Targa over the years that have been all unwell, unfortunately. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, so our condolences to his family and to his wife, um, Julie, as well. And, um, yeah, our condolences go out to the Arthur family, Michael Arthur. Um, born in 1965, um, yeah, great man. And had a lot, as I said, he was president of uh, Borsma. So, and I know a number of our listeners from race down there as well and um yeah our condolences go out to him and his family episode 99 we just need to touch on episode 99 my apologies we've got coming into the studio here next episode we've got andy carl mick kale and warren sander so now warren won't be coming into the studio because he's over east so we'll be talking to him over zoom uh warren is the husband of terry sander and that's the the car that uh, well, Terry Sander, as many our drag racing fans would know, uh, great Super Street, I think, or sedan. She raced in Super Street or Super Sedan. I can't remember now. I think it was sedan, but I yeah. could be wrong. It was a Rover. It was I mean, once you saw the car, you knew, you knew it was her because I don't think anyone else actually raced a Rover. And um, look, I mean, Andy's Mercedes has been built in honour of Terry. And uh, so we're going to have Warren on the podcast. We're going to have Andy and Mick and Simon. You'll be here as well. Um, and, and Todd as well, if you can come in, that'll be great. And that's episode 99. And then we've got the big 100 coming up. You know, we didn't even talk about Morbidelli's win. <laughs> it was kind of like we completely flashed by that. <laughs> Congratulations to Francesco Morbidelli in the, um, in the, in the, in the um, satellite Yamaha as well, by the way. Jack, Jack Miller second on the Ducati. Yep. yep. And uh, Paul Espargo on the KTM. KTM, yep. Yeah. Yep. And then doing the Suzuki Justice as well, and Alex Rins. He's done it, has had a fantastic year too, Alex. He has, he has. You know, yeah, a- now, one of the things that we didn't talk about that you wanted to, to uh, discuss was um, you didn't think that the Suzuki's, uh, you know, because they'd been at that track before, you didn't think that they'd, they'd really, well, you actually said that you thought they were slow. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, but I don't think it was that. I think everyone else improved. <laughs> yeah, so that that was that was another comment. Yeah, you, you agree? Right. I mean, yeah, they did. Yeah. I can't, from the week before, we saw them extremely competitive. Then the following week, yeah, as you, you probably make a valid point. Yeah. I think just that everyone else kind of caught up with them. Yeah, and not. But it's, it is. A, but we've seen a fair bit of that this year, haven't we? We've seen a double up at, at race tracks. We're using having the two events at the yeah, one but, track. Yeah, but you, you need to understand that it's exactly the same. Any racetrack, right? You, you're more familiar with the drag racing than, than the, the circuit racing, but the track changes. Mm. The track is an organic thing. Mm. So the amount of rubber that's on it, the direction that the wind's blowing, mm-hmm. how hard the wind's blowing, it all has an effect. Mm-hmm. So this particular track on the weekend, 
the direction the wind was blowing and the strength that the wind was blowing was changing, changing the braking distance uh, quite dramatically. Yeah. Now, getting on top of that and changing the bike, you know, you, you, bikes are, are not as simple as a car mm. because there's so much rider input. Yeah. Um, with a, a car, you can say, oh, well, you know, he didn't have enough steering angle or whatever, not enough brake pressure, whatever it is. You know, you're part of the machine. It's not, you know, yeah. so... Well, look, it, it is what it is. It was still a great race and it was a great tussle. Um, it, it would have been an even greater tussle if, if Takahana hadn't uh, come off the Honda. But, yeah, no, yeah, that was um, disappointing. Geez, he was making up some ground towards the mm, end there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, he's got, obviously, he's got the Mark Marquez rear shock now. Mm. So, um, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, look, we're just about out of time here, so look, we'll, we'll close this podcast here. Just quickly, what do you guys got coming up? I know we've all we've all got a fair bit coming up with a hundredth episode, but anything else? I'm just flat out at work at the yep. moment. I'm probably going to go back to work tonight. Oh, okay, <laughs> sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, you want to come and help? Uh, you going to pay me? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I should. I should say I'm going to do it for love, shouldn't I? You know. You should. Yeah. I, um, no, I've got a. Uh, I'm flat out at my normal day job, as I call it. Uh, got some things on the back burner with uh, Brendan Franklin because race car. Um, yeah, I know you. You know, he he spends so much time mm. doing. It's just yeah. I think I'm an instigator at the moment. So sorry, Brendan. I'm actually saying sorry. I'm instigating for you to do more work. <laughs> but hey, we'll work together. He's actually doing his official video <laughs> man also at the hundredth episode. By the way. Oh, excellent! Mm. Excellent. Yep. Yep. So he'll be down there as well. I'm so. sure that, like my wife, his partner will be enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, he's due to have a baby soon. Um, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I know. This is typical for Nick, by the way. Yeah. This is, you know. <laughs> What's that? Oh, you know, just expecting us all to. Oh put no! In Fifty-hour days, <laughs> and never see our family. You know. Oh come on! Don't be like that. Don't be like that. I'm not like that. It's all right. I'm used to it. Uh, Under normal circumstances, go check out the Shannon's Club again because all of the events that we're at will be on the Shannon's Club and some of them that we're not at as well. Well, it'll be on the radio on Saturday, so you should have everything done. Okay, radio on Saturday. All right, I'll have it done by then. All right. I'll I'll, I'll push it back to Wednesday anyway. We can release on Wednesdays. No big drama. It's all good. I was going to say a shout-out too, James. I think I've seen you at... Half a dozen events in the last month alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As a case of if I'm not at an event, James might not be there, or we're both at the same event. So yeah, correct. That's that's right. That's I mean, true. James is out there doing it for you people, like you know, is, like yeah. myself. In, we're out there in in Metro WA. Uh, Shannon's is doing about seventy odd events a year at the oh, moment. That's and crazy. Yeah, I'll be at at least two thirds of them. Generally, yeah, that is incredible. That is incredible. You do yeah. a magnificent job, James. Thanks for coming in tonight. Speaking of doing going above and beyond the call of duty, coming here tonight is one of those. And thanks to these guys as well for doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Above and beyond the call of duty, really appreciate it. Shannon's people can go to www.shannons.com.au. Everything you need is there. Get a quote on your classic car, get a quote on your house, home and contents, get a quote on. Your bike, mm-hmm. boats as well. No boats, no unfortunately. Boats. Oh, no. Okay. Especially your bike. Especially <laughs> your bike. Especially your bike. Get a quote Absolutely. and head there and catch up with us. Please come down. Episode one hundred. 
December 13, gone but not forgotten, holding on through time. Motor Show, City Motors are in Leederville. It's on 505 Newcastle Street. Street. Can't miss it. It's the old City Motors site. And uh, you you certainly won't miss it on that day. Um, So please head on down there. All right, guys. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.